patriotism, faith, national unity, education, fiscal responsibility, civility, the values that define America. Fascinating stories and talks from America-loving patriots dedicated to preserving freedom, opportunity, and justice. Welcome to the Friends and Fellow Citizens Podcast. everyone and welcome to episode 115 of Friends and Fellow Citizens. I'm your host Sherman Taloski. Thank you all so much for joining me this week. Hope you're looking forward to the President's Day weekend coming up pretty soon. We celebrate Lincoln's birthday and, and or Washington's birthday. I guess I guess we should just celebrate all the birthdays of the presidents on President's Day. If, if you like this podcast, make sure to subscribe if you haven't already. You can also sign up for our email list. You can check the links down in the show notes below. We certainly all still have our friends and fellow citizens mugs, which is a really great way to support the show. And you can also go check out our Patreon page to uh, make a donation. Uh, even $5 a month would be a fantastic contribution to support the program. And uh, we've got a lot of new content, obviously, coming up this year, as you may know. You know, with all with the interview episodes, the solo episodes, it's it's really always trying to uh, f- not only find an additional guest, but to really elevate those existing conversations that we've had already on the pro- program. So hopefully, you will be able to be a part of it. And I just want to obviously once again thank all of our Patreon supporters and all of our subscribers and listeners of this show. For this month's Sacred Honor Series episode, we are on our final representative from the colony of New York, uh, Lewis Morris. And there's a lot to say about the Morris family, so I will briefly mention maybe some of those family figures, and we probably will, will see them or some of them in future episodes, for sure, because they were such an influential family uh, within not just the colony of New York, but really just the American Revolution and really just the creation of the nation. Lewis Morris was born in 1726. Like I said, his family is not only wealthy, but also very politically active. His father was a colonial governor of New Jersey, and his great-great-grandfather, I believe, was someone who was somehow involved in Oliver Cromwell's army back in the you know the English Civil War. And it's just very, very well connected. And Morris was not alone as just as someone who developed a lot of political expertise later on, had a really good education, attending Yale uh, in his life. Uh, but he also had a lot of interesting and very prominent um, brothers and just family members as part of the Morris family. Uh, I, I'm I'm not joking when I say that the Morris family is not only large by number, but large in influence. I'm not going to go through every single one of his family members because that would take forever. But just some of the relatives that I think are quite prominent, and, and at least one of them, I think, could could have a whole entire Friends of Fellow Citizens episode about what he did. So well, just to kind of give you an idea of what this family was like, one of his brothers is named uh, Stats Long Morris. Uh, now, his first name is S-T-A-A-T-S. I'm not really sure where that first name comes from, uh, but certainly unique. And I guess uh, with this man here, he was actually a general of the British Army, and he was the only loyalist out of Lewis Morris's 
main part of the family who uh, really, I think, highlights just how difficult it would have been at the time to to deal with one of your family members who is literally on the other side of this whole conflict. Um, so I, I might not remember his first name, Stats Long, Stats Long Morris, uh, but I, I I don't think it's too difficult to determine that he's the one who is kind of the odd one out here in the family. Uh, so he was a British Army officer, and he actually served as a, as governor of Quebec uh, from 1797 until he he died. Uh, but so he was actually very also very politically active. But clearly not in the American Revolution case. He ran for parliament, represented uh, parliament during his time. Again, there's not a whole lot that I'm going to cover about Stanislaw Morris, uh, but I will get a little bit into kind of his role here. Is he plays plays I think a very interesting role in how Lewis Morris I think conducted himself. Uh, some others uh, are Governor Morris. Uh, Governor is again. I, I know that some of the names are just really, really strange or hard to hard to remember how to spell. But uh, but Governor Morris, uh, G O U V E R N E U R. Uh, he was uh, very, very influential to writing the preamble to the Constitution. Um, so anyway, we'll we'll speak about him at some point, maybe in the future for the podcast. Uh, but just to kind of give you an idea of some of the other people that he also had, like I said, a very prominent grandfather named Lewis Morris as well. His son-in-law was named John Rutherford. Uh, he was also a politician too. And uh, he, now you might be thinking, okay, this Morris family has got to be, okay, so powerful, so prominent, right? Well, he, uh, I don't know how he did this, but he found a woman named Mary Walton, uh, and they got married in 1749, and she had 10 children, which is, I think, probably one of the biggest <laughs> biggest deals when it comes to not only raising 10 children, but raising 10 children in such a climate like the one in the colony of New York at the time. And some of them uh, eventually did get married into you know some other elite families, including the Van Cortland family, a very prominent family in New York at the time. Now, Morris is one to obviously inherit uh, a lot of those responsibilities um, as he was in, in part of this family here. And he, he got himself into a little bit of law because he was part of the Admiralty Court uh, before the uh, American Revolution really, really started to heat up. Uh, initially in 1769, though, he was elected to the New York General Assembly. Now, in terms of his attitudes, as you, as some of you have listened to with regards to the Sacred Honor Series episodes, I think the really common theme is is really how the signers were not an on-off switch sort of people. It wasn't like well, one one day they were living living happy, happily ever after, or at least they thought they were living happily ever after. Then all of a sudden they just switched and and you know became fierce, you know, independent patriots. That was just not the, the norm at all. And it makes sense, but I, I do feel like generally when we look at history, we oftentimes like to see kind of the, the victories, right, or just the, the end results of the Declaration of Independence when there's so much more, I think, on how some of these people got to where uh, they became. And not to mention that uh, Lewis Morris, as part of that prominent family and dealing with you know, some uh, a one family member who was who was not loyal to the the patriot cause. Um, he also had that sort same sentiment, 
And I think I think it's a really really important point to make. I think when it comes to understanding the American Revolution, it's some a point that I've made a, a number of times. I think on the episode, uh, but I do think Morris uh, is himself probably was in a, a little bit of a tougher situation to some degree because he was in a very in a very very loyalist part of New York, and to be able to have that confidence to tell people that you don't like what's going on in in the parliament. I, I think he might have had some bad neighbors at the time, or at least might have been some disputes. Uh, I, I can't imagine just how many neighborly disputes uh, there were with Lewis Morris on one hand criticizing, increasingly criticizing the British government, while he's he's still surrounded by a bunch of loyalists nearby. Now, when uh, Morris was elected uh, as a delegate to the Second Continental Congress, uh, he took that seat in 1775. Now, you might be thinking, well, this should be pretty easy, right? When you look at a lot of the delegates who have made it to the Declaration of Independence signing, a lot of them have already just made up their minds, or at least they've had that backing from those uh, from those uh, respective colonies, New York, as I mentioned a few episodes ago, I believe, New York was not like that. And I and it's just it's pretty obvious that I think there's a lot of just a lot of political influence coming from London. Uh, you have merchants, you have political officials, you might just have people who are just opportunists who uh, who don't really care a lot about the independence movement. They just want to they just want to get something out of this. And there certainly were a lot of people like that at the time. And this created a bit of a problem for Morris because, on the one hand, he was increasingly getting to that point. He had already transitioned into really becoming an advocate for independence. But on the other hand, he was kind of being hampered by politics back in his own state or back in his own colony, I should say. And so days after July 4th, 1776, or I should say July 2nd, 1776, when the delegates were increasingly signing. More and more were signing the Declaration of Independence. Uh, Lewis Morris had to wait a few days, and finally he got some kind of word from the uh, New York delegation uh, that the colony of New York was going to support the Declaration of Independence on July 9th, 1776. So he had to wait about five days, uh, or at least I should say a week after the consensus of independence on July 2nd. But finally, the New York Assembly agreed to support that independence, and Lewis Morris put down his signature on the document. Now, there's a little story here that I thought was interesting. So uh, apparently, and going back to his brother, Stats Morris, uh, Stats actually warned Lewis Morris about what would happen if he were to sign that Declaration of Independence? And reportedly, Morris stated, damn the consequences, give me the pen. <laughs> so uh, just like a nice little quote there, uh, I really I really love that quote so much because uh, that kind of strength and that kind of courage to be able to do something like that, especially when so much is on the line. You know, on the, He is incredibly wealthy, but on the other hand, with regards to his estate and the the prestige that he could have possibly been getting if he were to remain loyal to the crown, he decided to really risk all of that, and that to me is a is a huge indication of of what he was was he was up for you know, up to the challenge, 
And I'm curious to know a bit more about what the conversations were like with his family members, because as as I said, he's not the only uh, member of this family here. Um, he's got certainly got a, a you know, wife with 10 kids. Um, he's got you know, certain, probably certain rivalries with some of his relatives who were working in politics at different levels. But it really does beg the question of what those family interactions were like. And maybe something that could be uh, interesting research. Uh, maybe it could be out there. Or it could be something that um, might, not, might not be ever known, uh, but certainly something to think about. I think when, when it comes to how bold some of these signers were, uh, when it comes to signing the Declaration of Independence and really risking their lives, their fortunes, and, of course, their sacred honor. From my research, I have not seen a whole lot of pr- prominent writings from Lewis Morris. He was certainly not one to be like John Adams or John Hancock to go out there and write in newspapers and and give deliver a whole lot of speeches. But I do think he played a very important role in supporting the colony of New York. The reason why I th- I find that significant, and hopefully you do too, is is, is that after because there was effectively zero recognition of the current state of politics at the time or the governance structure. Every single colony really had to just take it upon themselves to run the militia, to learn how to finance uh, different government operations, especially when you know that the British are probably going to cut you off at some point, literally and figuratively, um, on, on in terms of logistics and communications, political connections, and all the rest. And, and Lewis, I believe, is one of those who re- went back to New York, uh, served in various different capacities, uh, especially in the New York legislature, and was able to really build that colony up uh, as a new colony, as a new state eventually, uh, when the Constitution is adopted in, the, in 1787. But just some of the things that he was able to do uh, when he left the Continental Congress in 1777, he served as a Westchester County judge. He was also a, a New York State Senator from 1777 to 1781. He served again in 1783 to 1790 in that same capacity. And his primary goal is really just to you know, pass bills and uh, fund for infrastructure or try to uh, figure out uh, education. He was actually serving on uh, the Board of Regents of the University of New York, so really in charge of that uh, that foundational education system uh, in the colony or that new state of New York. He was also a delegate to the state convention that ratified that constitu- constitution in 1788. Super, super important process. A lot of us, I think, remember the sign, the adoption of the or the, the constitution when it came to uh, the constitutional convention. But it was really that process afterwards of trying to get all those colonies uh, and to finally get on board and ratify this constitution that proved to be a very, very important step in the birth of our nation. And not to mention that this was also a, a big step towards eventually adopting the Bill of Rights later on. Uh, so we were seeing a lot of different connections and with some of the signers that we've already seen, uh, people like Lewis Morris um, didn't stop with just telling people, hey, I support independence. And there was so much more that he wanted to do and some, so, much, so much that he could do. Um, it, I've heard and something I've read here that um, with – 
regards to this the signing and and this might be a part of the one of the movie adaptions of the of 1776 but it's it was possible that um in the in in the middle of 1776 the british were were increasingly advancing towards new york and as they got to long island as they got to uh where his estate is called Morrisania. Morrisania is located in the Bronx, which is north of Manhattan. Uh, one of the five boroughs, uh, I guess current day would be in one of the five boroughs in the Bronx. And the British increasingly advanced towards that part of New York. And Lewis Morris, one thing that I don't think a lot of people know about the Morris family is that Morrisania, that estate, was absolutely trashed by the British the British burned down a lot of the estate, took a lot of the livestock, uh, really just made a huge, huge mess uh, of that property, destroyed the crops, and just absolutely decimated that that particular area. Uh, I, I suspect that maybe some loyalists were uh, nearby, probably were maybe giving tips or something to the British army as, as they were advancing. Uh, I would be kind of surprised if, if the British really just went scorched across the entire part of of that part of New York, given that they they probably knew that many of those people were loyalists. Uh, but it just goes to show how much was at stake uh, at that time. And Morris actually spent a lot of time besides not just doing all those activities, as I mentioned earlier, in New York, but really just fixing his own home. And uh, I, I, from what I've read, I think he learned a lot about, you know, fixing the home up and learning about agriculture and all the rest and it's just a, it's just a nice nice little story to add to Lewis Morris and really the history of the founding fathers is knowing that there were founders who obviously lost so much and already to this point as we get to the final uh, you know final representative from New York we know that a number of signers lost a lot of things and lost a lot of their fortunes and something that i really I really wish that more people out there could really really reflect on as we celebrate July 4th, as we think about the sacrifices that a lot of those founders made, uh, really, really is is fits a lot with uh, the, the importance of reflection and the importance of learning American history as it comes along. As state senator, I think when it comes to the bills and really just finding those new projects, again, I do think that even though a lot of those bills and a lot of those projects may not have actually come up during his time where we're, we're actually a success during Morris's time. But later on, as new governors came in as, uh, you know, governor DeWitt Clinton with the Erie canal, I'm not sure how much, how much Morris was involved in something like the Erie canal, but the infrastructure really became the almost a King in New York. And it became a, such a important policy making body or area uh, that helped develop New York into eventually into what it would become later. Morris well lived really uh, quite a quite a long time, you know, up until 1798. He passed away that year, and uh, he is now interned at a, at a church in that same area near where his estate used to be. I've heard that he also offered his plot of land to become the state capital, uh, or I should say not just the state capital, uh, but actually the national capital of the United States, uh, but obviously, we all know about that the, the, that dispute between you know the, uh, and the Hamiltonians and the Jeffersonians on where the capital was going to be, which is why the capital ended up 
a lot further south down to where Washington DC is. But nonetheless, I, I, I find that I find that pretty amazing how you can offer just offer your own home, offer your own land to, to, to build the nation's capital. That that certainly could put a mark on your on your family's legacy for sure. As we wrap up this episode about Lewis Morris, I find that there are really three three main things that I think I could take away, and hopefully some of these things could be useful to you as we think about the history of America and what we can do um, learning from these founders. The first is um, is really the importance of pursuing peace with family members who have very different political views. One of the things I am concerned about in this country is really just not not just the ability for people to interact with their congressman or their senator or their governor. I really think it starts from the American family. Uh, when we know how to act when people have differences within our own family, when we know that sometimes there's it can be so much, I say sometimes, oftentimes, oftentimes it can be so much more complex when family members disagree on uh, on politics we we really need to i think go back to what american politics and what politics in general comes from and it comes from our ability to uh, hopefully agree to disagree peacefully we've just seen so many instances of you know people saying saying the worst kinds of things i remember when i was at a at a conference in DC, and I was talking to uh, to someone. He was he was about one or two years younger than me, a young guy, and uh, a very a very conservative person. And he was talking about how difficult it was to um, to have a younger sister who was very leftist and very left wing. And he said that he doesn't he didn't really talk to her a lot, and there's just all these. All these instances where you just couldn't talk about politics in your family because you have these big differences. Now, I'm not sure if that's been resolved or if there's if they're on better terms. But the point is, um, I'll never forget speaking to this man and learning about just some of the crazy things that uh, that happened between the two, just really based on different political views. And I, I'm I'm hoping that even if it's not eventually possible. That people can and should take that additional step to reach out to a family member, at least uh, look appear someone who can listen, who can listen to what they think about so and so. I've noticed that at least in the last few years, one of the things that we're we're seriously l- losing is the ability to listen. With some of the tools that we have, we seem to be using social media to cover our ears instead of of using them to uh, open our ears and listen to others. Um, so I, and when it comes to family members, especially in this example with Lewis Morris, um, his brother Stats, Stats actually uh, was able to, because of his, you know, because of him as, as the elder brother here, he was actually able to get much of that Morrisonia estate. Uh, but instead of, I guess, just keeping it for himself or just trying to spite his, his family there, um, he just, Peacefully sold it to one of the other uh, Morris family members, Governor Morris. Uh, it's, it's a small detail, but th- imagine imagine what would happen if he just went a completely different direction and tried to you know to plot revenge against his family. It just it would be such a different result. And so I th- I'd say pursuing peace with family members, as difficult as it may be, uh, I think especially with those different political views, 
I think it's it's a virtue that I think we can all try and pursue uh, as we try to f- look for civility in our society. The second thing is that I think we should also ref- we should reflect more on those who sacrifice for a greater good when it comes to thinking about history, rather than thinking about our gains and losses. And when I say that, I mean uh, there. I mean there's such an inherent value as we've seen with some of these signers, while they were not perfect by any means whatsoever. Um, however, the the sacrifices and the things that they gave up or risked to give up is really a, a such an important lesson for uh, current generations and future generations. It seems like nowadays, especially when I've, I'm seeing that whole saga with FTX, you know, of base of cryptocurrency. Um, I know that people have different views on it, but I think the big thing is with regards to the whole scandal, it was a bunch of people, in in large part, a bunch of people who. All they care about was just gains and losses. How much? Did they, how much money do they make? Um, how much money do they lose? That was something they were they were the most worried about. And while obviously money is an important an important asset here, um, it's it's not it, it's it shouldn't be the focus. And while it sounds very obvious, but when we, when I see some of that political discourse of of looking at oh well. What about you know? What about the money that was lost? What about this? So we we don't get in back into uh, some reflection in, as a nation uh, to uh, to admire and learn more about those who truly have sacrificed so much. I read recently read a book about uh, January sixth and uh, read about how uh, the Capitol Police chief was telling his book about just some of the details of knowing officers and knowing people who. Um, who fought so hard to defend the Capitol building on that uh, sad day on January 6, 2021. It was just a really good way. I felt as I was reading that book, uh, it was called Courage Under Fire. It's a fantastic book. I think it's a real, it, there's a lot of logistics to it, but it certainly gives, I think, a very different side to uh, to law enforcement in D.C., which I've, I find, I think most people, especially when I was a tourist there, I certainly certainly didn't know what what the what that looked like. But but you got a different perspective of law enforcement in D.C. You got a perspective of people who have to deal with bureaucracy on one hand, then dealing with protesters, then dealing with uh, the Congress and the White House, uh, and knowing that there there's so many more people like all police officers, just regular people, police officers, but people who are so dedicated to their job of protecting uh, federal property, protecting lives, and just. And, and just hoping that people can can uh, get um, better along. So I, I just want to go back into this idea of reflecting on those who really have done a lot to to help and support the nation, rather than really that, than focusing on the people who get on social media and complain about you know about their stocks or complain about cryptocurrency, whatever. And that, that that's not a virtuous society. If we want to pursue a virtuous society, I think we need to mean it. And I think this point here it seems pretty clear, especially given given some of the stories that we've seen from the time of the founders all the way to the present day. And finally, based on that quote I read from Lewis Morris, when there's an opportunity to, to do something good, hope that we we seize the opportunity to do it. You know, I've, I, when I say good, I mean that uh, there are times when I think we, as a nation, or certainly at least in political discourse, we forget those little, 
the things that we can do for others, whether it's grabbing coffee with someone or whether it's um, it's helping them with uh, certain errands, maybe helping a family member with uh, with their homework, whatever it is. Um, just want to bring back some of those elements here, and something that I that I I thought was very unique when it comes came to Lewis Morris. He knew exactly what he was he was supposed to do. He probably was very very frustrated with what's going on in New York. And when his brother was asked and just saying, "Hey, just so you know, this is gonna be really messy," he's like, "You know what? I don't care. I'm just doing. I'm. <laughs> I, I don't care. I'm damn the consequences. I'm just gonna keep gonna keep writing and sign my name on this document." Uh, and just as like a, an analogy or a comparison to that, um, I I really hope that we we get back to some semblance of that, especially in those in the local communities that we live in. Uh, just a quick story. Uh, in this past winter, has been so brutal with the snow in Nevada, and one day I'm cl- trying to clear a big pile of snow in, in you know, near the backyard, and I see that the public public works has this large bulldozer, large tractor. They're they're cleaning snow down the the street, and you know me, it was just like, okay, all right, I got this little shovel. I'm trying to just trying to get get the snow out of the backyard. And really, just out right outside the backyard fence, and all of a sudden, I see that uh, that tractor just come towards me, and with I mean, it's a large vehicle here, but with one scoop, he just clears away about ninety percent of the snow that I was trying to get out. Uh, but I I thought it was just a really nice nice little gesture that uh, that Public Works made. Now uh, I'm I'm sure you know they, they have plans to go down the street towards my end here to clear snow, but it really made my job just even that much easier. You know, just these little things, I think, could really make such a big difference. And when it comes to political discourse, I would argue that you know it doesn't have to be about politics. It can just be about anything. Um, and so I just want to put out that little message there. Um, and certainly when it comes to President's Day, you know, so the quote from JFK, I think, really just resonates so much. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. And I think you can probably substitute country with local communities or your uh, your local town or your county or whatever it is that that I think can tie you in back into that community. That I think is brings out so much value and brings out the goodness that I think can come out of the American people. And with that, thank you all so much for listening to this episode about Lewis Morris. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, make sure to check out our interview episode and solo episode in the following month. So make sure you're subscribed to Friends of Fellow Citizens. Enjoy the rest of your day and the rest of your month. And enjoy President's Day, don't forget. And I will talk to you all very soon. Remember, a day in America is always better when we are with our friends and fellow citizens.